Coming to you from the long-running music review website, adobeandteardrops.com. Both got hooked on the sweet temptation. Bringing you all of the amazing music that you're missing. I found my peace hidden in the story. My death will hold no need for mourning. From New York to Florida and all around the world, Rachel and Vaughn bring you the Adobe and Teardrops podcast. Both got hooked on the sweet temptation. Some ethical final destination. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 109 of Adobe and Teardrops. I can say in the last week, Rosa and I have learned so much about each other. For example, I learned that after dating for two years, I did not realize that Rosa picks her nose. I also learned after dating for almost two years that uh, I'm not as subtle about hiding me picking my nose as I thought I was. Also, as the rules of society continue to break down, I apparently constantly forget to flush the toilet. Uh... Sorry to be gross, I guess, but uh, there's no rules anymore, right? Except for staying inside and washing your hands. Uh, what else is there to say? <laughs> Sorry, I guess, uh, you know, if you're quarantining by yourself, I know that's really scary, and hopefully this podcast and the music brings you some comfort, but also if you're quarantining with someone else, you know, there's a lot of benefits to it, but the drawback is you just might drive each other insane. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, you know, life under self-isolation, um, there is a Facebook group of uptown queer folks that if you live uptown in Manhattan, I encourage you to join. We've been having, like, all kinds of little events and meetups and stuff to try to, like, create a sort of sense of queer life outside of Brooklyn because it does exist. And uh, the other morning, May Krell joined the WhatsApp, or had been on the WhatsApp that we created to entertain each other with cat pictures when we're supposed to be at work, and uh, was promoting her new song, Garden, and I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to have that on the podcast this week. So it turns out May's a neighbor, she is also a great songwriter, so enjoy Garden by May Krell. It's her newest single. My eyes, legs are sore And my eyes, arms are weak And my nose has been stuffed for quite some time I've had these growing pains for so long that I wondered if I'd ever grow up tall or grow a garden now the sun won't shine forever Grow your garden, she said 
so sweet I had a garden made of sugar But now I'm cutting these flowers And the new soil is bitter I poisoned my roots and then expected to be able to grow oh, oh. There's this taste in my mouth Like the drip of a drain That is leaving me hungry for more Grow your garden, she said
My grandpa's favorite flannels in my closet And I could swear that it still smells like him I keep letters and a shoebox from years ago that I
After May Krell, you heard queer country superstar Sarah Peacock with Mojave. Patreon listeners also got to catch Colorado from Sarah's new album out on Friday, Burn the Witch. Sarah grew up outside of Atlanta and was forbidden to listen to secular music. She eventually made her way to Nashville and to Belmont University, and now she's delivering songs of defiance and love. Peacock's as you heard, got an incredible voice. I had Lady MacGyver in another one of her songs up here a couple months ago. I'm glad we get to hear more of her, honestly. Uh, to me, Burn the Witch has like a sort of Broadway musical-like quality. Uh, it's very big. It sounds super big and very performative. Every song has like a different texture and a different story. The title track, Burn the Witch, is a sort of like fun kind of gothic pop thing that draws parallels between today and the Salem Witch Trial. Uh, it's all very epic. So I picked kind of the more rock-focused songs, but there's a lot of different stuff on there to love. So definitely check out Burn the Witch. After that, you heard Olivia Bandy with Things That Take Up Space. Patreon listeners, you also got Ghosts I've Killed. This is from her debut EP, Here to Home. So... I was surprised when I read this, but Olivia Bandy is only 19. She's a sophomore, also at Belmont University in Nashville. Bandy wowed her professors, and many of them signed on to help her make her debut EP. I'm sure after hearing these two songs, you understand why, because I certainly do. Uh, I'll just say that this episode is basically a Belmont reunion. Uh, one of the artists in the next set, Kelly Smith, also went to Belmont. It's a university in Nashville near Music Row, and that's where all the major record companies are based, and then like the musicians live in East Nashville, which is like a 20-minute drive across town. The Belmont has like a bunch of music-related majors, and you know, for the last like couple years or so, it's become this sort of hub of up-and-coming country artists. So other names you'll know who went to Belmont are Katie Pruitt and Kelsey Walden. So this is not meant to be an ad for Belmont, but I just want to explain uh, why so many more artists seem to be adding it to their bios, because it does kind of mean something. But we're going to move away from that for a little bit and kick off this set with Andrew Weiss and Friends. First up is A Monday Night Anywhere. Patreon listeners, you'll get to hear Sweetheart the Roses. Andrew Weiss is from my neck of the woods in New York, has just followed a lifelong love for kind of like pop and rock, and you'll hear that sound in these two tracks. I wrote up Faces in the Wallpaper for the boot, so I linked to that in the show notes. But we're going to start out with A Monday Night Anywhere. Patreon listeners, you're going to get Sweetheart the Roses. Both are from Andrew Weiss and Friends' new album, The Golden Age of Love and Chemistry. to make something beautiful You sign your name in graffiti and hope for the best Now how do I know if I made something beautiful And would you leave me if I didn't pass the test It's a Monday night anywhere But it feels like Thursday Or I wish it was a shortcut back to the good old days You say goodnight when you really mean good morning 
And I know it was a good morning I gotta believe it was Or else why would you still be standing here And no one likes to admit that they were wrong Now I don't know why you wanna talk to me When my vision of America is different than yours What was it like before? Now if I knew Picasso I'd ask him why I'm alone And he might tell me in blues or greens or whatever Mustard when you're driving on the road to life 
If you start to swerving and a curving, ain't nothing gonna turn out right. Just take heat time and watch your speed, cause it all goes by so fast. In this race, there's no first place, and you're lucky just to come in last.
After Andrew Weiss, you heard Mr. Jesse Daniel with Mayo and the Mustard. Patreon listeners, you got Tar Snakes from Rolling On, also out this Friday. Daniel grew up in the mountains of Santa Cruz, and this album is an ode to the Bakersfield sound, which is like a very specific type of country music out of California, like Buck Owens. It's a meditation on redemption in the wake of addiction and sort of finding your feet after all of that. That's why I really liked Mile and the Mustard. It's a sort of very like wise, but not like extremely serious or self-serious sort of method of like giving advice. After that, you heard Kelly Smith, whom I mentioned previously, went to Belmont. Uh, Smith, with a Y, has lived all over the country. She's absorbed music from all of the local scenes she's been a part of. So that includes country music, jazz, indie rock. You can hear all those influences in her songs, clearly. But now she's back in Nashville and she's putting her own spin on country music. First song you heard was Bring Your Love Down. Patreon listeners also got to hear Life Like This. Both are from her new EP, The Ceiling, which is out now. All right, we're moving into our last set. Going to get into a little queer country history for you. I learned about these guys from James Wilson of Paisley Fields on Twitter. I listened to the song and it blew my mind. So I spent a lot of time talking about Patrick Haggerty and Lavender Country. But, you know, we always, I always liked to qualify that he was the first known queer country artist. But James found out about these guys, Sweet Violet Boys, who were recording and like, the 30s and 40s, and uh, I'll let you draw your own conclusions with this song, I Love My Fruit. I am wild about all kinds of berries, black and blue and raz and straw and red. But most of all, I like to guzzle cherries. <laughs> Me too. And I eat them every night in bed. I like to eat, I like to eat, I like to eat, I like to eat, and no matter what it is, I like to eat. Now I can sing the praises of pistachios. And I eat them till I almost bust And I also like pecans and cashews Yes, indeed, I sure love my nuts I like to eat, I like to eat I like to eat, I like to eat And no matter what it is, I like to Like that will always suit. The desire so far inside me reaches that I'm simply lost without my fruit. I like to eat, I like to eat, I like to eat, I like to eat, and no matter what it is, I like to That it almost seems to be a sin 
they're so good that when I'm all through eating, I still like to nibble on the skin. I like to eat, I like to eat, I like to eat, I like to eat, and no matter what it is, I like to eat. And I can't find you my peace of mind My peace of mind I've crossed a limit Misplaced my moonbeams, I'm so unwise I'm so unwise Save my man. 
fast and wild and warm With a light show in the sky for all to see I hope that I was wrong I knew it wouldn't last too long Somehow you were headed straight for me Violet Boys, we got into Davy and the Midnights, an LA-based band who just released their Full Moon EP. That song was Old River. After that, we got Ingham Station, a duo from Ohio, although this one we only heard the husband singing with Feathers, and that's their latest single. So yeah, before we get into an interview with Heart Hunters, where we talked about politics and writing about politics and their new song, well, not so new anymore. Smoke and Potpourri. Just some housekeeping notes. If you want to hear extra music, if you want to get episodes early, if you want to like hang out with me while I record, please subscribe to my Patreon. You can also donate once in a while through Ko-fi. If you want to send me music, do that through SubmitHub. For the rest of this month, which is really only a couple more days, I'm going to be donating everything I made this month through the Kofi, through the Patreon, through SubmitHub, which is going to round up to around 100 bucks. That's all going to go to Tornado Relief in East Nashville, because just before all this coronavirus stuff got really serious in the U.S., there was a huge tornado that mostly impacted East Nashville and North Nashville, the historically black community of Nashville. 
I plan to donate the proceeds to Gideon's army so we can funnel more resources to North Nashville. But if you're already subscribing and you're looking for a way to help some people out with some cash right now, I'm just gonna ignore that text notification. You can donate to my fundraising page with the Let My People Go campaign sponsored by Never Again Action, which is a Jewish group. Ugh. Everyone's sending memes to each other. Uh, the Never Again Action is protesting the existence of American concentration camps, and we are working to raise $180,000, which is a mystical and lucky number in the Jewish tradition, to free 20 detainees from ICE. We need to do that as soon as possible because... Well, all of the facilities are going on lockdown because of this virus. They're even denying people soap. So we've already got 10 people out. I only need another $600 for my personal fundraising goal. You can help me by clicking on the link in the show notes. So enjoy Heart Hunters. One note I'll add about the Heart Hunters interview is this is the first of many interviews I've done in the last week. And we were kind of both figuring out how to navigate all that software. Take care of yourself, take care of people around you, in music we trust, in music we believe. Take care of yourselves, everybody. If I started singing about buying smokes and drinking whiskey out on the porch, spray and the innocence Don't feel a thing and like the world was never mean
Hunters uh, speaking with me from Atlanta about their new song Smoking Potpourri, which came out at the end of January, and uh, since then a lot of stuff has happened to make this song even more timely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were originally going to, you know, talk about the song. Um, so, you know, when I first heard it a couple months ago, I was like, wow, they are not taking any prisoners on this one. But um, if you had a chance to revise the song now, I'm sure you've got plenty of time on your hands. Uh, what would you, how would you change it, or would you keep it the same? Huh. Well, I'm not sure. I, I don't think I would change it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like one part of it, I feel like I've thought about changing in that. We didn't really want to, like, call out Rolling Stone specifically. It's supposed to be funny because it's kind of calling out, like, kind of cheap, like, picking low-hanging fruit in songwriting, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not really calling out anyone specifically, but just, like, if you li- listen to, like, mainstream music, there are a lot of cliches. And I'm talking, like, mainstream country, like, not, not even the genre that we're in, but... um you know, there's a lot of cliches, and so I I threw that in there as, like, a, a play cliche, and, like, um, you know, because everyone wants to, like, talk about Rolling Stone, it's like a thing, and music, you know, California but, Stone. you know, California, Rolling Stone, smoking, drinking, the point is, like, throw all these things in the song, you know, and um, it's just calling out our pleasure-seeking, you know, society in a moment when, like, there's a need for action for, you know, racial justice and the climate crisis, and we're so prone to want just the entertainment. And so what's funny to me is, like, press came out saying that we, like, attacked Rolling Stone, and I'm like, no, no, no. No, it's not really, like, that wasn't my intention with it, and I guess that it comes off that way. But at the same time, as an artist, you have to kind of go, well, I felt like that was authentic when I wrote that line, and, like, I think a lot of people, but I control how everyone perceives the part. Uh, I think I lost you on my end. Okay. What part did you hear me last say? Oh. Um, let's see. We're talking about how a lot of people... Sorry, that's all I got. A lot of people are uh, <clears throat> pleasure seeking. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, pleasure seeking. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like late late capitalism. People, you know, consumerism. Really, uh, I mean, it makes people it makes people turn docile and and uh, just subject to their uh, you know like gratifying gratifying their their desires and their addictions and their pleasure seeking activities, right? Yeah, and like in a moment when 
Um, I'm say this in a moment when what we really need is action, action for, you know, racial justice and climate crisis. So it was just like kind of pointing to that more of a societal ill rather than really specifically calling Rolling Stone out, you know what I'm saying? And so... We need to do that. Yeah, and so it was supposed to be, that was just supposed to be something kind of funny and the whole overall thing was supposed to be, um, you know, calling out this aspect of our society more than Rolling Stone. And, but I don't know that I would change that because I do think a lot of people do understand that it's kind of supposed to be funny and I'm not really specifically saying Rolling Stone is a big problem. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I feel like you write a song and you can think about all the ways that someone's going, that people are going to perceive your art. And I do think... Um, you know, you got to kind of like let go. You make what's authentic and then you let go. And people are going to perceive it in a lot of different ways. Some people will like it. Some people will not like it. Some people won't understand it. And that's just okay. Right. And, uh, you know, I think over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of political music, but maybe not enough. Um, I mean, I think you're definitely like speaking to that with this song. What, What's more, you know, what would you like to see in a perfect world? I mean, in yeah. terms of in terms of music, in a perfect world, we'd be addressing the things that you're writing your songs about. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, what advice would you give to like any artists who feel like they're not sure if they can do a good job, or um, if they can dig deep enough? What was that? Did you hear? Oh, yeah. Like to write songs about politics? Yeah, I think maybe some people sort of hold back because they're nervous about doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's complicated, and there's a lot to be, you know, sort of afraid of or, or anxious about because, I mean, like we have seen that, um, you know, among a lot of people that we know and hang out with and have things to do with, you know, our our views are, and our beliefs are, are not, like, scary radical. They may be radical, but, mm-hmm. like, we're used to kind of thinking that this is a good way to be, you know, um, radical politics. But, um, you know, come to find out that, you know, as we seem to sort of, I mean, the Democrats want to settle on Joe Biden and want us to, you know, get with Joe Biden. And, you know, it's pretty daunting to try and talk radical politics to people who seem to want to, you know, gravitate towards the, like, uh, return to normal option, you know. And so I guess what I'm saying is, is you know, if you're, if you want to write political music, you know, be prepared to, to dig deep and not do something, um, not do something superficial. And, and then you can't be afraid of, um, people who are more moderate and really just want you to sing songs about, you know, country roads or, you know. Which we also do love things. Yeah. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. love songs and joyful songs and stuff like that, you know. Um, you know, but, but if you want to do, if you want to do political music, get, get ready for the people who might get really mad at you for, for bringing up the politics. Um, yeah, but most of the time we've had we've had an easier time with that. It's just daunting yeah. to try to overcome that that sense because we get a lot of pushback for radicalism, politicalism. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think is like the secret sauce that goes into writing like an effective political song? Because I've heard so many where it's like, I sympathize with what you're saying, totally agree with you, but the song is like a little, is a lot. Either it's too on the nose or maybe the lyrics fall flat for me, or maybe it's like a white guy singing about racism, but somehow it just kind of rings sort of hollow. Um, what do you think is like the secret sauce that makes it work? Well, I think one thing is like you absolutely have to pick the political thing that you can speak about authentically and from like an educated place. Um, like for instance, I feel really comfortable writing songs about racial justice, and Drew does. You know, he can share his his side of that. He does as well. But I feel comfortable doing that because. You know, when I was 18, I stayed with Black Panthers in East Africa for three months, and then I went on to study colonialism in college. And so it's just something that I've immersed myself in as much as music, arguably. Um, and so I feel like I can answer, I can write a song, and if anyone has any questions for me, I'm able to answer them intelligently. Um, or I know where to look if I have to dig deeper, or I just feel confident, you know, in that way. And I also feel compelled to write songs like that because I have that education. Um, and so I just think authenticity is like the secret sauce ultimately. And I think to be authentic and kind of own that, you do have to have the education as well, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you want to add anything to that, too? Yeah, I mean, both we and I both have really similar experiences <clears throat> in terms of uh, finding a really authentic and sort of in innocently discovering radical politics um, that, you know, transformed our lives and our worldviews. So, you know, I guess, I mean, there's certainly things that I, throughout my songwriting life, have shied away from because I knew that, it w that my voice was not authentic enough to own. And so, like, there's certain say, racial justice things that, you know, I might have an idea about writing a song about, but I almost feel like, you know, asking a black song writer, a friend of mine, hey, why don't you write a song about this and see what they do with it instead of me trying that on. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I do feel like I have a, a lot of say-so from my life experience and my studies and my dedication to, um, you know, activism and organizing uh, around social and economic justice. So. Yeah, and I, I would agree with, I'll add one more thing to that. I would totally agree that, you know, what, what you were saying about, like, really asking a person of color to write the song, and that's valid. And I also think, though, that there's this idea that, that white people should really deal with white people's racism. Like, it's our job to actually dismantle white supremacy as white people who are woke. And so I also, that's like the perspective I come from, like, I'm happy to have the conversations with the neighbors, you know, um, I'm happy to write the songs for the white people, or like, whatever it is, and I think, in addition to, like, being fun, I'm really supposed to be, like, I want to make a video for it, and I want to be, like, in a pickup truck, like, smoking, something, you know, like, you have to, like, you can't stuff it down someone's throat, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. It has to be poetic and metaphorical on some level and, like, peaceful, or I think it has to be playful um, for me. I mean, as an artist, that's, like, what I would want to make. Yeah, yeah and uh, I guess I was going to ask, like, um, what other, like, activism are you involved with? Because somebody could come to your show and hear the song and think, like, oh, yeah, they're right. 
but how do you then engage those people to take some kind of action? Mm, like, how do we kind of show that we show up day to day for this kind of thing? Is that what you mean? Yeah, like, um, you know, you, you're putting the message out there, and then how does one uh, get people who are listening to that message to take some kind of action? Because we know that there are plenty of uh, people out there who think that they're liberal because they're nice or whatever, but yeah, you know, there's more yeah. that could be done. Yeah, it's not enough to, like, have the bumper sticker. It's not enough to, like, think of yourself as one of the good guys, and it's not enough even to just write a song about it. And so we are, you know, we get involved to varying degrees in um, pretty deeply involved in anti-racist education um, on a daily basis because Brianna's teaching young children right now. And we get into anti-racism, anti-fascism. We show up for things that they need people to show up for, for yeah. <laughs> jail advocacy and um, anti-carceral things. Um, and we've also brought our music into jails and prisons and um, other institutions that are underserved populations, um, you know, I mean, there's a variety of stuff showing up for uh, city council meetings. And yeah, like Drew's, that. Drew's been good about the city council meetings. Like, so we, we right now we have two kids, and when we just had one kid, we were gonna, we were playing in uh, in prisons and mental health facilities where people can't leave, whatever you call that institution. Yeah, uh, and um, you know, we were able to show up more like that. And I think right now, um. Our, we just with our with both of our kids, we're kind of at capacity in a lot of ways emotionally. But I am teaching, and I do focus on racial literacy. So I teach three to six year olds. I teach music, but I've just taken on teaching mm -hmm. in a new way. And so, you know, as as a teacher, I feel like I bring it into the classroom. But I also feel like, for me, what I've owned over the past couple of years, because I have been busy with kids, is that I have conversations with white people. Yeah. And I have conversations with white people, and even have set up days for my kids and stuff with white people to have deeper conversations with people who don't agree with me, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and so we have some good talks. And I think that work for white people is huge. Like, you don't need mm -hmm. to be with an organization. You just need to go talk to your neighbor <laughs> or your grandma or not grandma probably. That's all good. But, like, yeah. your uh, cousin or something. You know, like, if everyone just talked to their cousin, then we'd be in a different place. Um, so... Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll put a plug in for whiteaccomplices.org if you are white and listening and need some tools for how to get started. Uh, there's a link on my homepage. Oh, it's good. You broke up a little bit. I didn't have anything to do with it, but I have a link to it on adobeandteardrops.com so that it's there for anyone who comes across it. Um, what The link to what? It's called whiteaccomplices.org, and it just has, like, a lot of small action steps for people to take. Um, mm. That's very cool. That's cool. That is really yeah. cool. I've, I've not heard of that one. Yeah, and then it kind of, like, you know, you don't have to feel like you're an expert in theory uh, to take some tiny steps. Yeah. That's really neat. No, and I think that, you know, in in – in terms of, like, taking little steps, it's talk, I think talking to white people is good, but also, like, doing the opposite of a microaggression towards people of color out in public. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are so many little things that we could do 
um, individually and just on a daily basis. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, how did you both end up, uh, what are your paths into uh, being self-politicized? Or, I'm sorry, my brain's like, I've been on phone calls all day, so feel free to rephrase it in a way that feels better to you. Okay, try, try that one more time. Oh, yeah. Um, like, what is your, what were your paths to becoming um, radicalized, if that's a word that I can use? Oh, there's only one green dot. Did you all drop out? Uh, yeah, we heard we 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 just got you back. Um, okay. I don't know if it's on our, on our end or yours, um, mm. but um, it's okay. It can, this could also be a a good place to stop if you want. Yeah. Do we want to try? Do you want to try calling us? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how to record if I use my phone instead of the app. Um, Are you watching something right now? Are you watching something? No. Okay, so my connection is bad. All right. Um, maybe, maybe we just call it here and call it a day. Okay. Okay. You feel like you got what you yeah. needed. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, if, unless there's anything you want to say before we head out. Oh. No, I feel like I liked your questions, and we gave oh, a lot thanks. of in. So, yeah, totally. Yeah, we're, All we, right. You know, like, the only thing I would add is that, you know, it's uh, we're going to be going, uh, going online um, with our performances coming down pretty soon here. Saturday night we've got stuff coming up. And Wednesday night. Next week. And it's interesting because, um, you, you know, this is just going to change the way we perform for people. And in a way, it's actually going to make it a little easier. Um, and, uh, you know, who knows how that's going to turn out. But we're definitely, like, putting our shoulder to the wheel and getting involved in the uh, COVID-19 style. Virtual music. Yeah. Yeah. So COVID-19 tour. Yeah, COVID-19 tour. And you know, we uh, we were supposed to go to Oregon for a string of shows in late April, which we'll, I'm guessing we'll have to cancel. Um, so, yeah, if people want to check out our our website, we'll have info and then our Facebook and stuff. But we'll be, uh, we'll be staying active at home. So, yeah. And in our community. And in our community. Well, hopefully in some ways it's a little more relaxing. Yeah. It is. We have two kids, so I'm like, yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess there's a silver lining here. There is a silver lining. And the dolphins are coming back to Venice. There's absolutely a silver lining. Did you uh, say the dolphins? The dolphins have come back to Venice, yeah. Oh, wow. I think it's a great metaphor. Let's just assume that's like a metaphor for how things are going to go from here on. Yeah, um, I think so. <laughs> Maybe awesome. it's good well, to give the planet a bit of a pause. Yeah, thanks so much for your time and your patience. Yeah, of well, course. It was great talking to you. Yeah, All right. Yeah, I think we I think we got good good info in though, so I think we're all good. But yeah. Yeah, please feel free to send me uh, the links to everything, and I'll make sure it's all up. I'll probably have this oh. up on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. All right. Have a good night.
Take care. Stay healthy. You too. Stay healthy. Bye. <laughs> Bye. All original content is copyright Adobe and Teardrops. All original music is copywritten by their respective artists.